Around Comics, Episode 18. From Chicago, this is Around Comics, a weekly roundtable discussing topics in and around the world of comics. I'm your host, Christopher Neesman, and I am joined, as always, by my partner in crime and the producer of the show, Brian Salazar. Hello, hello. And joining us as one of our Around Comics regulars is Mr. Tom Caters. I am a walking absolute addition. And speaking of absolute additions, our guest this week is the host of the Collected Comics Library podcast. He is Chris Marshall. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, absolutely, Chris. Everyone, thank you for being on Around Comics. Uh, I want to start off with a couple quick programming notes. First of all, Around Comics is recorded every Friday from 7 to 9 at Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles, located at 4835 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago, Illinois. If you are in the Chicago area, please come by and introduce yourself. We'd love to meet you. Now, today's topic is inspired by a listener email. Before we unveil the topic, let's take a listen to that. Sal, go ahead and take it away. All right, this is uh, Matt, and Matt said to us, uh, I'm a 32-year-old who's been reading graphic novels for a few years now, including the classic Alan Moore stories, the entire Preacher series, Volume 1 and 2, Volume 1 and 2 of Hellboy, Dark Knight Returns, Sandman Volumes 1 and 2, and I love them all. After listening to a few episodes of your podcast, I'm becoming increasingly inspired to venture into the world of single-issue collecting. However, I'm completely overwhelmed by the vastness of both the Marvel and DC universe, and I'm looking for guidance and advice on where and how to start. Since Civil War came out yesterday, I thought I'd jump on board with that and got the first issue along with Daredevil number 82 and Captain America number 16 to check out Ed Brubaker, who I've heard you guys talk up a lot. So far, so good, but after reading those three issues, I realize I have a lot of catching up to do. Figured I'd start with New Avengers Breakout and perhaps Daredevil volumes 12 and 13 to get some more recent background on that character and to check out Bendis' writing. Being a big fan of Spider-Man... I'll also probably jump on board with that series with the upcoming Civil War tie-ins. While I am interested in certain comic characters, Batman, Spidey, and now Daredevil, I'm probably more interested in keeping on top of the current crop of talented writers, Morrison, Bendis, Rucka, Brubaker. To that end, I figured I'd start reading Batman when, when Grant Morrison begins his Batman and Son series in July, and also perhaps some of his Seven Soldiers work. Anyway, as you can probably tell, I'm literally overloaded with comics to check out. Do you guys think I'm on the right track? Are there any absolutely essential trades for background reading or single-issue series jumping-in points you can recommend to a budding single-issue collector? I know it's a loaded question, but even just a few recommendations would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, Matt, from El Cerrito, California. There you go. Next time I'm going to have Sal read like a four-page email. Yeah, could you make that any longer? I'm amazed I got through that as well as I did. Totally out of breath. So there you go. We have a new listener and a new comic book fan. He's asking for some suggestions on good starting points in his reading. We're excited to step up to the plate and give our suggestions. So we're calling this episode Comics 101, Suggestions for New Readers. 
Now, before uh, I get to our list of suggestions, which everyone on the panel has picked five trades or collections that they think are great starting points, I want to spend a couple minutes talking with Chris Marshall about collected editions. Uh, he is an expert in all things collected. Uh, if you have not listened to Collected Comics Library and you like collected editions or trades, archives, essentials, anything, I highly suggest you do that. So, uh, Chris, the obvious question is, how have collected editions changed the way that new readers can approach the medium? Well, that's a great question, Chris. Um, I think it's it's more or less uh, it's affordable these way these days. I mean, and the, the, the especially the back there's so much that can be collected in the back issue market that is so easily available now, and especially now with DC getting into the black and white trade paperbacks with the Showcase Presents books, uh, it's a lot easier. Um, and of course, Marvel keeps out pumping out their Marvel Essentials 18 a year now, and DC is just uh, you're doing about 12 a year. Um, so it, it definitely helps the uh, the pocketbook. Well, it, it seems that you know, especially the trades have there's a pile of them that come out every week, and you know it keeps new fans have a chance to, you know, go back a year or two years and get caught up really quickly. And I think that's what's been nice, you know, even for, you know, long-time readers that they can do that. Um, but as far as, like, essentials and the archives and whatnot, you know, if you want to go back and find really the histories of these characters, you, you can do that now where, you know, I was... I'm 33 years old. When I was, you know, collecting when I was 15, there was no way you could do that. Uh, I think DC and Marvel have to be smart in their marketing, though, because they know that they're pumping out a lot of trades every month, but they're also pumping out a lot of monthly books uh, each week, you know, the floppy books each week, and they don't want you to not buy those. Uh, for instance, everybody just went out and bought Infinite Crisis and is now getting Civil War on the Marvel side. And, you know, they, they, they want you to pick up the extra issues and the Spider-Man uh, crossovers and the Fantastic Four crossovers. And the, but they also want you to go back and get, like, the essential Nova, if possible. And, you know. Well, I, I so. think it's, it, it's, a, it's a weird situation because I know that, you know, Sal and I talk about this at least once a week. We're like, you know, well, are you going to pick this up? And half the time he'll look at me and go, nah, I'm going to wait for the trade. You know, the other half of the time I'll, I'll say the same thing. You know, do you see, you know, I, this is a whole episode on its own, but yeah. do you see trades as, as threatening a lot of, uh, a lot of single issue books that may not get their, their due because of that? No, I don't think so at all. I, there are the whole writing for the trade quote, uh, but I don't think it's going to hurt a monthly book. Um, and a, a lot of times you see that uh, a book uh, such as uh, Sentinel that was put out the when it was it was kind of done it did sales wise it did rather poorly in the single issues, but when the trade came out, everybody bought it like crazy, and that gave way to the volume two of Sentinel, which uh, you know. I think that's a great series, and everybody should check it out. It's an interesting take on, on X-Men and the X-Men characters, and Sentinels. Yeah, and I think Runaways kind of did the same thing. Yep. But, yes. um, and I think the Alias Omnibus helped out, too. Oh, the Alias Omnibus? Mm-hmm. Well, that, I mean, they, they collected that quite a while after after Alias had, had already right. been um, transitioned over to the Pulse and all that. But I think it sparked a lot of interest in that series now, you know, yes. in, in retrospect. Yeah. 
We'll, we'll let the, we'll let our, uh, we're, we're Bogart in the, the show here, Chris. We'll, know, we'll let our other two guys, they're just kind of like sitting here looking at me kind of dumbfounded. So, what happened? <laughs> Tom. What are traits? Yeah. What, what do you think about, uh, about going back and finding the history of characters through essentials and masterworks and uh, whatnot? I think it's great because a lot of what happens when you pick up an essential of a character that you've liked for like a year is you get to see kind of, the first appearance of certain characters. And if you're like me, I'm somebody who kind of likes history, that it's kind of interesting to see where things start from. And just how different tones are from, like, the 60s to the 70s to the 80s. And that can be really interesting to see how characters sort of filter through the times differently. I mean, just from outside perspective. Yeah, Sal? Uh, I, I'm right there with him. I, I really enjoy the essential stuff, and, and I'm really starting to get involved with, you know, the, the, the stuff that's coming out with better, you know, publishing, like the omnibuses and, and the hardcover stuff, I just think is fantastic. I just, you know, we both just picked up the X-Men omnibus, and for me, who read a lot of that when I was younger, but I don't have the issues any longer, I got rid of them at some point, and I don't want to go through trying to collect them again. And I don't know if I, you know, I, as much as I like the X-Men Essentials, it's black and white and it's smaller and it's just not the same. You know, you, you grab something like that omnibus and, and it's just amazing to be able to go back and see that stuff in full color and oversized and, and, uh, and it's you know, heavy. And it's huge. It's got the letters <laughs> someone, page. You could beat someone to death with it if you needed to, but, but just all, all those, you know, hardcovers and, and I'm getting to the point where if I could, I would, you know, I would never buy a single issue comic again and and buy everything in trade, but you know that's not going to happen either. Uh, Chris, um, out of all of the the different lines that the comic companies are coming out with, whether it's essentials or masterworks or archives or omnibuses, and I'm sure that you know all the other different types. What have, what have been your favorite so far, as far as quality value? It, what's what's your favorite out of all of them? Well, definitely, I'm, I'm more of a DC guy. I mean, I started out when I was younger, 13, 14, reading Daredevil. Um, but, I've, you know, in the 90s, I really got into the archive program when it came out. And I really like uh, the quality that they put in there, the, the high-gloss paper and everything. Um, and with the Masterworks getting redone just about four or five years ago now, they've really put the, the effort in over there to make that really high quality um, and getting all the contents right in order and everything like that. And, the best possible reproduction they could they could do, and all, as well as the omnibus program and the absolute program. I mean, they just get the, the best quality out there. Um, the essentials sometimes uh, some are better than others, uh, but I think DC kind of looked at the essentials. Uh, this is just my opinion, and but I think they probably looked at the essentials, saying we could do that and we could do it a lot better. Uh, and I think they've they've succeeded in that. I I love the showcases that I've yeah. got. Um, just because you hand someone the Superman showcase, and if you can get them to finish the first story, they'll actually kind of start to like it. I gave, I lent it to a friend of mine who doesn't even enjoy comics. I'm like, just read it. I'm like, it's funny. You'll laugh at it. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. I mean, whether you laugh with it or at it, I mean, it's still entertaining. And it's so different conceptually and just so way out there from what we're used to reading in superheroes today that it's a little shocking at first but also 
you know, once you read it for a little while, you kind of get into that whole mind frame, too. So you know, I just love those. The thing that I've found with them that's kind of interesting is that I know the history of these characters, or at least I think I do. I know their legacy. You know, I know sort of the baseline level of their histories, but then I go go back and pick up, like, you know, Iron Man Essential Volume 1, and I read it, and I go, wow, I never really have read this before. I've never really knew the you know the the more mundane parts of some of their you know beginnings what's and, he doing fighting doctor strange yeah exactly you know or, or, or yeah, green you know, the, the, i picked up the green lantern showcase and and there was a yeah. lot in there that i just didn't know about that character i mean yeah, i knew the history of the character to some degree but not really and and it was interesting to go back and and see that this but you know what's interesting that I, the, the thing that's interesting that i really get a kick out of is that when you pick up a, a Superman book like that or an Iron Man book like that, uh, you know, this may sound kind of strange, but I kind of imagine myself living at that time, uh, you know, back in the 60s and 50s or 40s, and, you know, not knowing there was no history of those characters. I mean, those were those are fresh, brand-new characters when they came out. And, of course, now, you know, in the new century, we've got a whole history of those characters. But if you're a, you know, 15-year-old kid, 1955, reading Superman, you know, there's really no history there. And that's what's kind of really, you know, gets my attention. Trying to get in that mindset and, and yeah. you know, wondering what it must have been like to experience that for the first time. There's also sort of, it makes me kind of miss certain qualities that some of those old books had. Like, a writer today couldn't get away with just being like, well, there's a part of his planet was saved in a bottle everyone would would get pissed and be like what how you cannot put a planet uh, a city inside a bottle we all know anything that shrunk explodes after a little while you know some something like that but back then you could just make it happen you can make a city with intelligent gorillas there wasn't any reason not to you know tom's going on about gorillas yeah i know it's but if people did the same thing today you know you can't have a character change costume without people freaking out. Imagine if in Spider-Man they did something just crazy, you know, and it goes on. It just it makes you kind of miss that quality in comics. Yeah. Changing Spider-Man's costume is kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Oh, you people, can't people. Do it. Oh, oh, it's new. It's different. No, you can't do Put that. Put him in a gorilla suit. <laughs> Hey, be- before we get way off track yeah. here, which is, is fine, I did want to mention, uh, Chris, at your site, you have a pretty extensive checklist. Isn't that correct? Uh, yeah, I've got a checklist for all the DC archives, uh, another one for the Masterworks, and all the different publications of the Masterworks, um, and the different printings and the differences between the two, or what, the, the four, actually. What's, what's, and, your, uh, what's your website? Uh, you can go to collectedcomicslibrary.com. Okay, for, for, for new listeners or, or new readers, if you, you know, we, we could go on and on and on about, you know, we could probably list a hundred different things of great places to start. And we're going to give some of our suggestions, but we don't know the taste of everyone that's out there. So go to Chris's site, and if there are characters there that you're interested in, it's a great place to go and find out what sort of collected works have been put together so you can go back and do that. So that's a, that's a heck of a service, and, and we appreciate it, Chris. Thank you. And, and the other thing is to bring this sort of back around to the original topic and, and Matt's email is that you can't really go wrong with any of the essentials or showcases or the chronicles that are out there. I mean, those are all extremely good 
you know, history lessons mm-hmm. on any of these characters that you might be interested in, and they're, they're great values. You know, they may not be in color or, or you know, whatever, but if, if you're just looking to learn about these characters a bit more or study their history, you can't go wrong with really any of them. You're not going to break the bank. You're not going to yeah. get kicked out of your house with that 999 Superman showcase. <laughs> you know, one, no! one, one of the things that, that we talk about with new readers, and this is the hardest thing because, you know, new readers is everyone, so it's not like you can't take one person and say, that's a new reader. They're interested in different things. And trying to pick out something for a 15-year-old that wants to get into comics and a 30-year-old is two very, very different things. And today, I think, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about all of that. But, you know, looking at a 30-year-old guy who wants to read some cool comics, it's hard to send him back and say, oh, well, you need to start with Will Eisner. Or you need to start with Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's Fantastic Four. Because as cool as that stuff is to us, because we've been around comics for most of our lives, that stuff is going to be, you know, I don't want to say it's going to be a joke to them, but it's going to be a joke to them. Well, it's going to be, you know, hard for them to maybe appreciate it like, you know, we might. Because we're looking at it from a different perspective. Someone walking into it off the street that's never read a comic or really has never read a comic, and you hand them something that's, you know, 40 years old, no matter how much we hold it in esteem, how much we enjoy it, or how how great we know it is, it's going to be dated. It's going to be silly to some degree. I mean, you know, we've all read some Silver Age stuff that we all, you know, laugh at, but like Tom was saying, we, we're laughing at it out of enjoyment, you know, these people might laugh at it just, you know, and, and think it's silly. Ridiculous. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, it's like if someone came to you and said, I'd never seen a movie before, you wouldn't go show them a movie from 40 years ago and be well, like, this is the best, this is what movies are like. You, you wouldn't show them Citizen Kane. Well, I mean, you're not going to send someone that, that's never watched TV and say, oh, you need to watch Nick at Night and watch TV Land. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> so, you know, that stuff is out there and it needs to be read. You know, I, I am woefully behind on a lot of my Silver Age reading, but I'm coming at it from the standpoint of someone that has read Preacher and Dark Knight Returns and, you know, all the, you know, gritty, you know, awful stuff that I read so I can appreciate it. So it, it is going to be completely subjective and, and it's going to depend on, on what that person likes or what they're interested in or what their, you know, idea of why they're reading comics is, you know. But and on the other side of that, you know, I want to say, I don't know that you can necessarily send them to definitive works either that we all love, you know, like a Watchman. You must read the Watchmen. Right. I mean, that kind of thing. You know, that's, that's going to be a tough, you know, a tough sell on someone that's never really gotten into comics before. Even even someone that maybe has read stuff for a while. And, and we had talked about this earlier is that, you know, you don't introduce someone to, to deconstruction when they don't understand what... It's deconstructing. It's deconstructing, exactly. You know, and, and 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 that's you know that's sort of something I think you have to stay well, away from. And and, and you don't take them to the top of the mountain first. I you know here's a, everything comes back to baseball for me. So like my first baseball. Oh, I, game, I thought it was gonna be another boiling frog story. <laughs> hey, no, throwing kittens in the oven. But we'll get back to that. But um, the very first baseball game that I went to, my dad. Took me to, to St. Louis Cardinals game. We sat in the upper deck in like the worst crap ass seats ever. And my dad later explained to me, he's like, I could have gotten tickets for us down in the field boxes, but after that, anywhere else that you sat, you wouldn't have appreciated, you know, it, it would have been a letdown. So you don't give someone Watchmen to start with 
Because there's nowhere to go. Well, I have two thoughts. Number one, I was unaware that your father was Yoda with all of his wisdom <laughs> on how to teach you how to appreciate. And I've actually no given, the- see, I, I have kind of a different perspective because I've given friends of mine who don't read comics Watchmen, and they actually really enjoyed it a lot. Your and I think intelligent, intelligent. I mean, I don't necessarily think reading Watchmen you'll get everything that's in it. But also, you got to look at these things as works of art are also rereadable or rewatchable, and you might rewatch from the first time and enjoy it on one level, and then if you keep reading comics, come back to it and read it again and enjoy it, just like you would with any great movie or any sure. other great work of art. It's, it's good enough to to enjoy on a on a surface level, and the farther you get into it, the more you may enjoy it. How about you, Chris? What What is your favorite collected edition ever? Oh, God. Hi, you're on that's, the spot now. <laughs> um, well, since, well, that's a loaded gun. Um, <laughs> well, when I got into the archives, I really got into it because I wanted to learn more about, like, uh, Hal Jordan and Barry Allen. And what I found out was that I went even further back to find out where the Flash and Green Lantern really came from. And from there, I really love the golden age of comics now. I love Jay Garrick and Alan Scott and the Justice Society of America. And I really like the JSA book that's out now, and it's going to get canceled and start it back up again for a new number one. That's okay, because um, it's all collected. I know, it's all collected. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, so to pick a favorite, gosh, I don't know. That's really tough. Um I really like Watchmen, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but, it's, and, and, and Crisis, which is another top of the mountain one. Sure, that, but, but um, I mean, do you see my point in that? You know, you got a you got a buddy who says, "Oh, hey, you know, I, I've been wanting to read some comics. You know, why don't you throw me one? I want to I want to check it out." Would you give him Watchmen first? No, absolutely not. I, okay. As much as I love the uh, the Neil Adams, Danny O'Neill, uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow uh, series, I'd never give him that either. Yeah, that I mean that goes that goes back. We, we've we were going to do a spotlight on that Green Arrow, Green Lantern series, and it was, I didn't want to rail on it. I know it's important historically in comics, and I'm just like, I can't with a straight face spend an hour talking about this book. Yeah. See, is that why I never got to see it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll go by my place tonight. But, I mean, what's, I mean, I don't know, I think a good one is like Frank Miller's Daredevil. I think that's self-contained. It's Absolutely. simple. Um you know, it's it's pretty much to the point. In my suggestions tonight, it, it just missed my top five. Yeah. I was going to suggest uh, Born Again. Oh, yeah, Born Again good Well, I think, you know, I think, and we had talked about this too, is that, you know, at some point we should talk about, like, sort of standards. You know, it's like these are these are standard classic works that anybody should read once they sort of get into comics. You know, and because... They're all, you know, the Watchmen and the and the Dark Knight Returns, Dark Knight Returns, and whatever else you, you know, want to throw in. Vendetta, but you know. yeah, I mean, we should probably maybe at the end of this discussion talk about those also, so that people that may not know about them, which that's my five, I'm picking. Those are your five. <laughs> those are okay. Then that's covered. But <laughs> hi, I'm Phil Hester, artist of Ant Man. I love listening to Around Comics, and so should you. Well, I tell you what, what's uh. Um, let's get ready. We've, I think we've had the appetizer. Let's, uh, let's get to dinner here. Uh, I'm who, hungry. 
<laughs> Who would like to go with their uh, their top five new reader uh, picks? And Tom, Tom is over here. Chris, are you raising your hand? Because Tom is. I'm sorry, Tom may go first. Okay. Thank you, sir. Um, here are my five. And I kind of base it based solely upon sort of the email that that uh, gentleman sent in as someone who was sort of interested in uh, sort of superhero end and certain writers and getting to know universes. So here is my list. Number one, st- don't, Sal's trying to look at my list and I don't want him to get a head start on it. Uh, Essential X-Men, I believe it's volume two is the one with the Dark Phoenix Yeah, saga? volume two. Yeah, okay, volume one gets up right before it. Um, I picked that just because I think that's one of the best stories in comics and you get an Essential and it's, you know, Affordable. Uh, the second one I have is, uh, I just thought of it about 15 minutes ago, is uh, JLA Year One by Mark Wade. If you want to get into the DC universe, that's a modern retelling of the origin of the JLA, which I think would do a good job if you just kind of want to see what certain characters are like. You can read that and get into it. Uh, I have Watchmen in there only because my experience tells me that people will enjoy it if you give it to them. As long as you don't like quiz them and tell them that they, <laughs> you don't like, you don't understand it <laughs> after you did. Uh, I also had, uh, I had, this is the toughest one, but if you're a guy in your late twenties you know, who's interested, I picked Invisibles by Grant Morrison. It's really, it's, it is, well, you know, it's an adult, so I'm gonna challenge him to read it and you may not like it, but, it pushes the envelope of what comics can do, and yeah, it's going to show you, yeah. That. And you might not like it, but I want to give an example of where it's going to, you know, where things can possibly go. And my last one is Crisis on <laughs> Crisis on Multiple Earths, Volume Four, which is coming out, which is another nice example if you want to learn about what the DC universe was like. It has some of my favorite stories of kind of the whole multiverse thing going on. So gives you a nice overview if you want to get a taste of certain things. Nice. That's, uh, I know, uh, Chris, you talked about um, Crisis Volume 4 coming out on your last podcast, right? Yes, it just came out uh, this past Wednesday. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't get it yet. Tom's yeah. going to get up from the table and start rifling oh. around here for it. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, nice, nice list. It's a little, little bit of everything. You got a little Marvel, a little DC, some old a, cur- a curveball with the, with the invisible. Yeah, but that, that is. I mean, you're right. It, it certainly is going to change your perspective. You know, if if you've been reading nothing but superhero stuff and and mainstream stuff, and you read that, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have a whole new sort of yeah. appreciation for what a comic book can be. I also want to mention that in his email, he was wondering whether he should read uh, Seven Soldiers, and I just finished the first trade. And he should. It's awesome. So I've I, been wondering about yeah. that myself. That's, that is that is on the to-read pile, which is getting just... <laughs> Gigantic? Abs- it, yeah, it's almost as tall as me. I mean, that's not saying a whole lot, but it's, it's getting up there. <laughs> uh, Mr. Marshall, what are yes. your top five books for new readers? Well, I'm going to go off the beaten path a little bit because everybody would expect me to say, like, the Spider-Man Masterworks and Fantastic Four and Superman and Batman. So I'm going to go down and give, like, my little, kind of like what I like and what's what I've liked over the over the years. Um, uh, I really like The Essential Punisher. I think that's a great place to start for The Punisher. He's such a popular character right now. 
and uh, his history as a he's really the first villain ever to get his own series. Um, you know, he started out as a villain, so I think it's the anti-hero for now uh, is good. Um, another trade that I love is uh, Batman the Nightfall storyline. That's a classic storyline, of course, when uh, Bane breaks his back and you get a new Batman and Dick Grayson takes over as Batman for a little bit and everything. That's a great storyline and the whole setup there. Uh, I like, over on the Marvel side, uh, I really like the Secret Wars. I don't know if that's too top of the mountain for you know what we were just talking about um, because there's so many characters involved and there is kind of a history there. But uh, it's a great, you know, team-up book with everybody, X-Men, Fantastic Four, and all the villains, and kind of how uh, that whole plays out and everything. Uh, I also like, uh, and I'm reading it right now for the very first time, and I have to recommend it, is Alan Moore's Saga of the Swamp Thing. Nice. I think, you know, it's it's not too highbrow for anybody. I think they can totally get into it. Um, it's nothing like the really bad movie that came out years ago, <laughs> so skip that. Uh but Alan Moore, he is just classic. And if we're talking Watchmen, um, you know, go back and, and read Saga of the Swamp Thing. I really like it. And also, uh, for something way off the beaten path that I really come to enjoy is the Jonah Hex Showcase Presents books, the old Western stories uh, in black and white. It's just really cool and a great collection. And uh, something, something not superhero, and it's something cool. different. I've heard lots so. of good things about that, that mm-hmm. showcase. People have been talking great. about it. Mm-hmm. Is that is that the five? I, I yeah, lost, it'll be my five. Okay, well, I lost I lost count because I was like, oh man, Secret War. Oh, oh I so should have put that on mine. I oh. thought when he was talking, when Tom was talking about it, I thought, oh man, Secret War. I should put that on there. But and then and then Chris took it. So that's it's still one of my favorite single issues ever of all time was when Spider-Man takes on the X-Men. Was that like issue five oh, of Secret yeah, War? he beats up no, all he, the X-Men. Yeah. Oh, you know that, and then there's the, you know, the Hulk holds the mountain, mountain up, yeah. That's a class, I absolutely agree that, that you should read that if you're a Marvel fan and, and you're looking for history and just, I mean, that was like one of the first, you know, successful and, and, Decent, you know, crossovers, you know, or not crossover, but you know, event, big event. Oh yeah, and, and, and still the the cover to Secret Wars number one is still probably one of the greatest covers oh, yeah. ever. And, well, I just, I mean, aside that Spidey gets his black costume and everything, I I still remember reading it. I remember picking it up monthly, and back in like what eighty mm-hmm. five or eighty six when it came out. Oh yeah, and I remember turning to the last page of I think it was issue ten or eight, nine or ten, one of the latter ones. When uh, Doctor Doom, the last page, he takes off his mask and he faces everybody, and that was like, the, I'm like, oh my god, that's so awesome! <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, you know, that's all. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't dislike DC. I read a lot of DC and really enjoy it. But you know, they're they're like one year later. I'm like, yeah, been done. Because <laughs> that, was, you know, that was the you know for new readers that was awesome because like every book in in Marvel like kept going, but. All these people, you know, like the next issue. Well, I don't know if like it was gone. done quite as well. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was like a cheap '80s version of it. But just, just the fact that you know, from one issue to the next, like the the lineup of the Fantastic Four changed. Spider-Man got a new costume. Like all these major changes happened, and you had to, you know, read this 12-issue miniseries to figure it out. And yeah, that was cool. Should we put a spoiler warning on? <laughs> No, yeah, it's 20 years old. It's spoiler old. I, 
I didn't know that happened. 20 years. <laughs> oh, black costume? What are you talking about? What? <laughs> well, then, yeah, then you'll maybe figure out where Venom and Carnage and all these other Whoa, Spider-Man. what? I haven't oh, gotten that fight. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> didn't come from space? <laughs> what, Do- Doctor Doom has a mask? What are you, what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> I'm only in the third issue of Fantastic Four, guys. I wish you <laughs> wish you wouldn't spoil the fourth one for me. Uh, have, they, have they done a hardcover for Secret War? Uh, no, they haven't. They, they read the trade paperback about a year and a half ago or so. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know. But if that they... would that would make a really cool omnibus. Oh, yeah, right. Big, thick big book, oversized. You know? Yeah, but you know, you know, with them now, uh, especially with Dark Knight Returns and DK Two coming out. Don't say it. Don't say it. Secret Wars Two. No. <laughs> oh my God. One one big omnibus. Secret It'd be Wars so two. heavy. Oh. They would sink into the center well, of the all, earth. All the tie-in, the crossover issues. It would be like. Fourteen thousand pages long. And Get a free mullet in the box. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the scary, the scariest bad guy of all time with a leisure suit and an afro. <laughs> yeah, just sort, of <laughs> sort of creepy looking man. Oh god, no, those are great picks, Chris. Uh, I tell you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and go now. Uh, let me grab mine here. Uh, I'm going to start on the DC side, and one of my favorite all-time stories, and I think one that is very accessible to new readers, is Batman Year One by Frank Miller, and it's a it's a pretty much a self-contained story about the first year that Batman was Batman. It's a great uh, crime noirish type story, and beautiful art by David and I've never Mazzucchelli. been able Mazzucchelli. I've never been able to pronounce his name. David. So Batman Year One, uh, one of my all-time favorites. And, and if you liked Batman uh, Returns, or was that the name of the movie? Uh, Batman Returns uh, begins. Batman, Batman, Batman begins. Batman. Sorry, not Batman yeah. Returns. Batman Returns sucked. But if you like the movie <laughs> Batman, Batman Begins. Yeah. A lot of that was, you know, obviously from you know Year One and and uh, well, Dark Knight Returns too. But but I think even more so Year One than than. Than uh, DKR. Sure. Uh, my next pick is The Ultimates, Volume 1. This is the uh, Ultimate Avengers, basically. So if you're interested in reading new retellings of old characters, The Ultimate Universe, which I don't think anyone's had an Ultimate book in this, The, the Ultimate Universe is a great place for new readers to start because you get a good feeling for old characters in updated tellings of their stories. So The Ultimates is basically the Avengers in the Ultimate Universe. It's written by uh, Mark Miller. So if you're liking Civil War right now and you like his writing, he's a good uh, good guy to go back and, and check out in Ultimates. Um, going to kind of a DC, but not really. It is a Vertigo book. Uh, Why the Last Man? And I think that just about every... Every person I talk to on forums and whatnot that are like, oh, you know, what are good books to suggest? You always see Why the Last Man thrown out there. That's because it's a it's a really easy story to get into. You don't need any continuity to worry about. It's a very accessible story for anyone to to understand. Um, it's basically about the last man on Earth after after a plague that kills every every male, everything. Just don't ask Lena Taylor her opinion. And, and <laughs> I, I don't know if Lena's listened to this, but it, it's okay, Lena. We still like you, even though you don't like Why the Last Man. It doesn't make you a bad person. Um, no, we, we, uh, 
I think everyone here likes Why the Last Man. Are you guys Are you guys still getting a single issue or trades? I, I've been trading it the whole way. I never yeah. picked up a, a single issue. I just have all the trades for it. Chris, do you get Why the Last Man? I haven't read it yet. Oh, so fun. It's I really enjoy it. But that's a perfect one to pick up in trades because it's, you know, it, I want to say it's written for the trade, but it's written for the trade, basically. Um, an indie book, kind of going over to the image side, is Walking Dead. And I picked this for a couple of reasons. Uh, kind of like Chris picked Jonah Hex. It's not a superhero book. You know, a lot of new comic fans have a misconception that comics are all about superheroes. And, you know, we were talking about it this week. Comics are a medium. They're not a genre. And there are any genre that you can think of are in comics. And The Walking Dead is, you know, I, I guess I'll call it a horror book. You know, it's, it's a zombie book, but, it, it's all you know, normal people in a fantastic supernatural situation. Uh, another reason I picked it is because it's in black and white, and it's not a book that was colored and is now reprinted in black and white, but it was originally meant to be in black and white, and it works that way. And I don't think it would work if it was in color, and I think that new readers... It took me about 10 years to figure out that black and white didn't mean cheap and bad. <laughs> And so, you know, I, I love this book because it's in black and white. And and to totally switch gears and really more just to um, show it off and brag about it, my last pick is the X-Men Omnibus Volume 1. Um, I'm absolutely loving this. I had to um, finance my first semester of college by selling off my entire collection of X-Men, which was like issue 107 to like 200-something, and I'll never be able to go back and buy those, mostly because they're really expensive, but because I've already owned them once, I just couldn't allow myself to do it. So this book has given me the chance to go back and read some of my favorite all-time comics and and not feel horrible about it. So that's that's my top five. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, you talked about the X-Men Omnibus a couple, uh, uh, a couple weeks ago on... Uh, CCL. Yes. What was your feelings on that? Uh, well, I was <laughs> mixed. Um, I think it's a great thing to have if you want to get it in color and you don't want to go out and get the Masterworks. I think it's the perfect thing to get. It's got all the letters, pages in it, everything. It's, I mean, same with Fantastic Four as well. Um, I'm just not too keen on variant covers. If that Marvel makes, I think they should just stick to one cover. Yeah, I, I bought the I bought the original um, the original giant size X Men cover. So, but you did you did a really uh, a really nice review on that on CCL. Uh, Sal, what are your top five? I have no idea, quite honestly. <laughs> I uh, I've been working on this for like three days now, trying to come up with a list of just five works, and I started with you know like forty, and I've been slowly trying to whittle it down whittle it down and honestly i i you know it's been really difficult for me because i don't without knowing you know to suggest something and what their tastes are it's it's almost impossible for me but i'm going to try it anyway and 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 these are all sort of um what what i decided to do is is these are all books that in my lifetime made a different or not a difference but were important to me or changed my view of comics or just meant something to me. So that's how I'm going to do it. Uh, 
if for no other reason it's it's personal. Um, I'm going to start off with American Flag by Howard Chankin. Uh, it was one of the first sort of independent books that I ever picked up as a young lad, and it really opened my eyes as to what comics could be beyond mainstream superhero books. Um, it, the the story is futuristic, and you know it's it's obviously an adult title, but it's exciting and adventurous, and also intelligently written. And the art is so well done, uh, and and at that time, looking at it, just beyond anything else that was really out there. So, American Flag, and and I, I believe the first trade is out of that now. I think that was just recently released, and there's supposedly a hardcover coming out, like a, a, a absolute edition of that. But I'm not sure. Do you know anything about that, Chris? Uh, it's two years and waiting. Two years and waiting. Yeah, so, um, okay. The next one is Hellblazer. Um, John Constantine, if you've seen the movie, it, yeah, I like the movie, but it's nothing like the books, really. Um, Constantine it was a character that started off in, in uh, the Saga of the Swamp thing and, and then got his own book. And that book really um, sort of brought me back into the horror genre. Uh, I, I, when I was younger, I, I always loved horror movies and, and, and those kind of things, but never really found a lot of horror comics that I liked. And, and for whatever reason, I sort of uh, identified with John Constantine and, and really have always loved that, that book. So, uh, Hellblazer. I got um, a question about that, if I can jump in here. What is the flipping deal with those trades? It, they're not, they're not ordered, um, where, where where do you start with it? Because I really wanted to start reading Hellblazer, and I'm looking at the trades. I'm like, volume one is like, you know, issue 26 through 32 or something ridiculous like that. Well, they actually, why, why did they do that? Um, I don't know why. I honestly, Chris, do you have any idea why the Hellblazer trades are so screwed up? That like I they don't. Are? No, I'm not really familiar with the Hellblazer ones. I, I don't know the first the first trade. That you can get, I think, is um, oh geez, I can't even remember it now. There, there is the problem is they came out with a couple of trades that were out of order. They they started with you know um, like the f- sixth arc or something, and they never and then they they came out with like two or three trades, but then they went back to the beginning and started over later. So I mean, it's. They're there. You can figure it out. It's just it's not you know they're not numbered and and easily you know decided. too late for me then. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're we lost. Going to put out volume one. This is issue one through six. <laughs> volume negative one. Something. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. We've we've got comments from the peanut gallery here. Mark the the shop uh, shop manager. So, the audience. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Go go ahead. Okay. Uh, my next one is a superhero book. Um, and I didn't, you know, I kind of deliberately didn't pick superhero stuff because I just figured it's... You wanted to be different? No, I, well, not cool. that so much as there's just so much and there's there's tons of good superhero stuff out there. So I was trying to find maybe some stuff that may fall through the cracks, you know, if, if all you're trying to do is, is follow superhero stuff. But I did pick a superhero book that I love. Um, and even to this day, it's, it's being written by Ed Brubaker and I, I dig it a lot. Uh, the Authority. And it's had, you know, um, everybody's written that book from Ellis Miller. Miller. Did Morrison do a run of that? I don't remember. Um, And had some great artists on it. And it's uh, extremely adult 
superhero hyper realistic um basically the, the the sort of story is that a group of very powerful superheroes decide to band together and take over the planet for its own good <laughs> so and it's it's out there it is not you know it is not the avengers it's not even the ultimates it's way beyond any of that it's it's super um it's the authority yeah it's it's you know extremely gratuitous and horrible but you know i love it anyway <laughs> Um, the next one is, uh, you know, like a crime noir book I wanted to pick is Sin City. Um, Sin City I've always loved, uh, from the very beginning. And I think those stories are, are for anyone that likes crime novels or, you know, noir films, uh, classic black and white stuff from, you know, Humphrey Bogart films to, you know, whatever. Um, it, it's probably the best noir stuff and, and everything, uh, since then has been trying to do Sin City, you know, as good as Frank Miller did it. So you can't go wrong with Sin City in my opinion. And the last one, which is probably one of the oldest on my list, but one of the ones that I've just more recently gotten into in the last couple of years is Love and Rockets by the Hernandez brothers. Um, it's an extremely indie book. It's, it's about, um, uh, two Mexican women that are growing up in the 80s in uh, Los Angeles area, and um, it's it's about the punk rock scene and their relationships. And it's not it's not really an action book, but it is a masterpiece of sequential art and storytelling and character development. And it went on for 15 years, even continuing today to some degree, um, by Gilbert and Jamie Hernandez and their other brother also, and. Um, it's it's just a masterful work that's totally outside the realm of really anything else we've talked about today. But I've as I've gotten to this point in my life, I've really come to enjoy it and appreciate it for what it is, and uh, and it, it's it's up there on my list. So that's my five. As difficult as it was, you bumped Planetary for Sin City, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I was gonna. <laughs> Planetary is a phenomenal book, but. Um, I don't know. I just I, I couldn't put it on there for whatever he, reason. Just, just so everyone, Sal's had about eighteen top fives <laughs> this week. He's like, well, well, yeah, I've seen his notebook. Book. He's got the first five volumes of Sandman crossed <laughs> off. Well, I mean, How I could, could go. Uh, believe me, there's there's I, I have tons of stuff here that I mean, I could have easily for every one of those books that I just named, I could have given four more in the same sort of genre. So I mean it. I don't know. I just, it, I had a really hard time trying to to come up with just five. Yeah, it's it, it's an. Uh, I think I said it today. Uh, it's kind of like picking your your five favorite Beatles or Led Zeppelin songs. It's it's going to change every day. If we did this next week, I'd come back with probably you know four. Five, right. Yeah. yeah sure. I mean, easily. There's one that nobody picked that I I think is is a must for comic fans is Hellboy. Hellboy's uh, a you know. I mean, but that maybe that goes in our in our you know. Baseline stuff, our, our must-read stuff that everybody should read, not you know, not necessarily any of our recommendations. That that's that's a collection. Uh, I'll throw this over to Chris. I would love to see like the first five volumes of Hellboy done as like a, oh, as an oversized hardcover. Be awesome. Do it. Yes. The Dark well, Lord. Well, Dark just Lord. for time, they're bringing out the uh, Absolute Sandman. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Tom's favorite. Store near you soon. Probably 2007. I'm gonna get uh, tagged as some sort of 
anti-Sandman. I'm not uh, nothing against the book. Well, Tom, you just need to go back to your to your house, write some prose, sad, some, poetry. some sad yeah. poetry, and cry. Well, guys, I think I think that's uh, that's twenty pretty pretty good places to start. We just cost uh, a lot of people a lot of money. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> uh, we get none of it. Oh, <laughs> can I mention one more book? I, I really have to mention. But this is something no. that come on. No, I, I, no, I put it to a, Chris. Should we let? Should we let him? Sure, why not? <laughs> oh, um, Black Hole by Charles Burns Ooh, is yeah. an amazing piece of work. It's 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 a horror story set in the seventies, and it's got you know extremely relevant you know ideas and content uh, about being in high school and the fear of that and AIDS and at the same time it's got mut- mutants in it and it's <clears throat> the Artwork is amazing. What did Phil Hester say about that book? It's the scariest book that he ever read. Ever. Ever. Oh. And, and, and it, it's, it's unbelievable. I've never seen, you know, ink work like Charles Burns stuff. It, it, it is so precise and amazing, yet so full, you know, it's not stiff or lifeless. Um, it's just unbelievable. It looks like, you know, I, I don't know. I've never seen anything like it. So, Black Hole's uh, something everyone should read. All right. Well, there's 21. That's the bonus round. There you go. Um, any any late additions by anyone? Uh, Chris, you got any others that, that came to mind? Uh, no, I'll leave, I'll leave my top five. You go any any Massworks or Archives. Okay. There you go. So <laughs> once <laughs> there, there's another 80. Yeah. <laughs> pick up any of them. Yeah, so uh, take out that loan, folks. You're listening to Around Comics. It's like talking to your best friend's sister. And she's hot. Uh, I tell you, what, we had some great posts on the forum this week. Uh, Sal, uh, if you want to read a couple of those, I know that uh, probably one of my favorite posts was by Papercut. Papercut, he, he's a rel- relative newcomer to our forum, but uh, quickly becoming a favorite. Uh, he said, uh, "Okay, you'd think this would be easier than this." I think the initial response to a question like this is to start rattling off favorite series slash books. Oh. But then this leads to deeper examination of what I like to read and why, what I think others like to read, and what newbies would be ready to read. What are the schools of thought in trying to introduce comics to the uninitiated? Do you try to ease them in slowly with mainstream titles, with mass appeal and familiarity? Do you throw them in the deep end of the comic pool to show them how powerful the medium can be? Or do you just give them anything and everything that you enjoy about comics and let them forge their own path through the overflowing comic racks and towering long boxes? I guess my approach would differ depending on what I know about the brand new reader, and tempered by the fact that I don't want to scare them off or confuse them right away. That's what Grant Morrison is for later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think that I think that post should be stickied on like every comic forum as how to approach introducing new fans to comics. Uh, there, there is no one way. There is no five essentials that you should do. It's know who you're talking to, figure out what they like, and just, you know, everyone's going to be different. So I, I, I love that post. Um, can you find Braxton's post? Because sure. Braxton's post is you know, like the total kind of simplified opposite of everything that we've said, and I love it. Uh, Braxton said, comics are pretty much geared for jumping on at any given point. Start with a new series and stick with it. You'll get the idea and some enjoyment. (laughs) Just just jump in and go. I I mean, yeah, it's a whole other school of thought. It's like, I mean, what do you got to lose? Uh, 
you know, pick, walk into a comic book shop, look at the covers, pick up something you think you might like. It may be awful, you don't know, but it's not that expensive to do that once in a while, and 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 with recommendations and reviews and everything else, you'll figure out pretty quickly what you like and what you don't like. But it, you know, to me, it it's great about. Something like this is that I love finding something that I've never read before and going, wow, that you know that was like uh, Rex Mundy was something yeah. that you know you had turned me on to and it's like I I loved that book and I just loved the fact that I had never heard of it. It was already traded out, you know, two trades and 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 it was out there and it's just like, geez, how come I've never heard about this book before? But, but I loved the the mm-hmm. the experience of finding something new that I really enjoyed. There there's so much new stuff out there. I half expect any new comic fan that that I talk to to say, you know, go check this out, half the time they're going to come back to me and say, oh, while I was there, I picked this up. Have you read it? And I'd be like, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. Why? Why no. would I? <laughs> Tom didn't tell me to read it. Why would I read it? Do you agree, though, Chris, that, I mean, pretty much, I mean, this is, it's an episodic medium, and, yeah, it's great to know a lot of the history of stuff, but most of the time you can just jump in. It, it's a soap opera. I'll, I'll never forget when Spider-Man came out in the movie theaters, what, five years back. I was at a dinner party with my wife, and, uh, you know, one of the guys, he they kind of he knew I was into comics and everything, and he's like, wow, I saw Spider-Man last week. I just loved it. It was great. And we had this great discussion about Spider-Man, and I'm like, yeah, well, you should, you know, after like 20 minutes, half hour, I'm like, you know, you should go out and buy this, this, and this, and you can borrow my books and whatnot. Oh, and that's okay. I don't want it. You know, it's like, what are you talking about? Oh, I, I, you like it so much. I mean, there's such, there's astigmatism, and there's, we can get into that. That's a whole new show. But it amazes me how a movie like that or X Men 3 coming out is, it's going to gross half a billion dollars, but still, no one's going to go out and buy the comic books at the local store. No. Here, here, I got one for you. My nephew, I've been trying to get to read comics for a couple of years now. And he loves all the superhero movies, uh, Spider Man, X Men. He loved Sin City. Any any of those he loves it. And I, you know how come you don't read comics? I always ask him why don't you read comics? Oh, I don't like to read. You know, th- <laughs> then I'll see him with a 800 page Harry Potter book in his lap. You know, and he, and he can't put it down. It's like, well, what do you mean you don't like to read? But you'll read that. You love the movies, but you won't pick up a comic. I don't. I don't know if it's people are in, not necessarily intimidated by it, but they just don't understand how a comic works, and they don't want. You know what I mean? They don't. People are difficult. Yeah. Well, that's. <laughs> Certainly the case. Uh, do we have any other forum posts that we want to read um, here, and uh, and we'll get to our final thoughts? You got to get them when they're young, though. That's the thing. You got to get the nephew. And my son can name off all the members of the JLA, and he's six. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. right. He's begging to go. You know, I'm bringing him to his first comic convention at the Motor City Comic Con in two weeks. He was begging to go to Free Comic Book. He's like, Free Comic Book. We did. We're going. And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, no problem, man. So, well, you know, he he can name all the JLA, but. Uh, I know that you're a big baseball fan. Can he name the starting lineup of the Detroit Tigers yet? Not yet. He can do the Pistons, though. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. Well, see, see, we live in Chicago, so basketball doesn't exist for us anymore. It's hey. been about three years. They made the playoffs <laughs> two years in a row. Come on. Uh, you're, well, you're a young team. so <laughs> They have a point guard that looks like a vampire. <laughs> Well, that's something. Yeah, yeah well, the Pistons. That's fans, cool. Yeah. yeah, the Pistons have that's Luke hilarious. Cage playing for them. Big, big frog on them. And they have they have a center who's like Kitty Pride. She just 
disappears. Disappears when anybody <laughs> comes in contact. All right, enough. Uh, here's a here's a here's a post from Matt S. Everybody knows Matt S. He's been on the show plenty. I think he's he's about medium rare after the roast. Or, yeah, <laughs> after the roasting he's taken this week. Uh, he said, uh, quite honestly, I think that if you have enjoyed the Spider-Man movies, you should just start from the beginning. Pick up the first essentials trade, then go from there. If you can get past the black and white, the Spidey books still hold up today and are great, compelling reading up through at least the first five to six volumes. If you don't mind reading comics on your computer, the 40 years of Spider-Man DVDs are out and contain nearly every issue up until the last year or two. Um, you know, I think, it, it, once again, it kind of depends. I, you know, I don't know that everybody's going to want to pick up uh, those books and immediately appreciate them like like uh, Matt does or like I do or, or, or some of us here. You know, I talked about him on the forum about that a little bit, and I said, you know, we're looking at stuff, stuff like that through rose-colored glasses of nostalgia was what I had said. And, and it's, easy for, it's easier for us to enjoy that stuff where someone walking right into it, I don't know. I don't know if, if they would pick it up quite as easily I as think we that, I think that's I think that's phase two or phase three of, you know, but once again. Of the, the recalibration, the re-education <laughs> of a non-comic book. We will teach you. One program. of us. One of us. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that's, uh, um, we're already running a little long on the main topic today. We had some amazing other posts that I would love to get to. Um, but anyone out there that's listening, please go to our forum because our forum members had some really great points to make. So just go look up uh, episode 18 on the forum, and you'll get uh, get a lot of great thoughts there. Uh, let's move ahead to some final thoughts. Uh, we'll start with the guest of honor and our resident uh, collected edition expert, Chris. Uh, Final thoughts as far as Comic Books 101. What would you suggest to new comic book readers? Uh, I think all the books we mentioned tonight were great. Uh, I also don't want to mention another series of, of Golden Age, or, well, through the ages books uh, on the DC side that are great, uh, and that is the uh, Superman and Batman's Decades books. They're the Superman uh, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s, and then Batman has a series too, so you can pick up a, uh, a cheap trade paperback and read, uh, and you can, you know, read those stories when they're, you know, through the decades and how the characters progress and everything. And it's almost like a best of that decade, which is another great place to start. And they're in color. Hey, there you go. Uh, Mr. Caters? Just go out and find whatever you look looks good to you and buy it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the, the lesson to go with here. Uh, there's a ton of good stuff out there, and uh, don't get put off by, you know, if you pick up a dud or two. There's so many things. There's a comic for just about anyone, you know, any genre you like. There's something out there for you. So, Sal? Uh, my suggestion is go to your local LCS and talk to the guy behind the counter. Uh, you know, tell him what kind of movies you like, what kind of books you like, and tell him to uh, recommend stuff. Um, and, you know, come unless, unless it's Dark Tower, because very unfriendly. Yeah, they're very <laughs> unfriendly <laughs> people. No, no, but seriously, I mean that's that maybe is one of the easier ways. Uh, you're not always going to have a hundred percent success rate like that, but um, you know, go into a comic shop and talk to people there and and find out uh, 
you know, what they recommend and, and, and go from there. It's a good start. Just buy the 20 we recommended. Buy the 21 we recommended, <laughs> plus Watchmen, Dark Knight um, Returns, Dark Knight Returns, and uh, every other. Mouse, hard, just buy, just go with, right? buy every hardcover out there, and you'll have a good solution. No. Um, but yeah, just talk, go on message boards and ask questions. Don't be afraid. And, you know. Jump right in. Yeah. That's, uh, hey, Chris, you just said Long Halloween, right? Yes. Boy, that was, that was like, that was, no, um, that was oh, on my list, but. God, I love that book. I felt so, so I bad about not putting it on. I there. couldn't go that mainstream. We had oh. to, oh, <laughs> you're gonna have to edit out the mention of it though. I think we're, we all only got five. Now we're up to like <laughs> I know. 40. On seven. I'm gonna take three of mine away. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. only two good ones. My, my final thoughts, just to kind of continue off of that, is that you, there's so much out there. Just, just have a good time. Go find stuff that you think that you're gonna like. Jump into the pool and enjoy it. And one thing that that Sal, one of the things that Sal touched on was going to your your local comic shop and ask the guys that work there for suggestions. And besides finding great stuff to to read, that's gonna give you a really good idea of what kind of shop you're in. If they suggest if you tell them what you like, what movies you like, etc., and they steer you in the completely wrong direction, that's a pretty good indication that you may want to look for another shop. So I think that's a that's a great way to find stuff to read and find a good shop that you're going to be comfortable in. So um, I think that will wrap up today's topic. Guys, that was that was great. I really think that we covered a lot of ground. We could, you know, this could be a, a 24-hour episode, and we could just go the on. The absolute and, edition. The, yeah, that will come out in the absolute hardcover hard, yeah, around hard topics. four-day hey, discussion. I, I did want to uh, say one more thing. You know, comics are not a genre, too, for people that may not know. It's a medium. You know, it's a medium, and there's... Every type of story you could imagine in comics, somewhere, some better than others, but you know, whatever you like in any other medium, you can find the same kind of thing in comics and maybe better. So that's that's the other thing to keep in mind. It's not all superhero. It's not all you know whatever. It, there's anything you can possibly imagine: crime, romance, horror, superhero, I mean, monkeys, robots. <laughs> anything about monkeys, monkeys, and robots, robots. And, any of it. And, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chris has his has his checklist on Collected Comics Library. Tom's going to have his all ape checklist on Around Comics. Yes. All ape comics. Well, guys, thank you very much. Let's uh, tell you what. Let's slide over to the news desk. It is time for Wire to Wire comic news. These are your top headlines for the week of May 8th. 2006. In a report from DarkHorizons.net, Marvel Comics' cult favorite character, the Silver Surfer, may finally get his on-screen debut with next year's Fantastic Four 2. The liquid metal-looking character who soars through the universe on his board has evolved into one of Marvel's more sophisticated comic book heroes. The storyline for 4 is being finalized, with the studio about to choose between a script by X2 scribe Mark Frost and another by Don Payne, who scripted Fox News Regency's Super Ex-Girlfriend. While sources say Payne's script had the nod and the surfer, a studio spokesman denied that anything was set and that the surfer was one of several plot possibilities. Fox wants to be sure a guest-starring stint doesn't wash out future feature plans. 
hunger returns. After a seven-month hiatus caused by the fall of Speakeasy Comics, The Hunger returns with a 200-page, eight-issue collected edition. While it really hurt us to keep our fans waiting, Chris and I have been using our time wisely, says co-creator Jose Torres, adding, We knew that putting our readership in the position of having to buy the book twice was going to be a little touchy, so we went back and rewrote the entire ending, adding pages to the final product and pushing the story as far as we could. In addition to upping the page count and intensity of the story, the creators of The Hunger have also instituted a buyback program for people who purchased the first five issues only to now have to purchase the trade. The Hunger Volume 1 trade paperback is solicited in May previews on page 327. For more information on The Hunger and their buyback program, visit marcosia.com. DC has gotten even more interactive with their fans with the launch of 52thecomic.com, a website that allows fans to enter the fictional world of 52, DC Comics' ambitious weekly, year-long miniseries that chronicles the fate of the world without Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. While most comic books traditionally ship on a monthly or even bi-monthly basis, 52 will be published by DC Comics each and every week for one year. The trailblazing series plays out in real time, with each issue covering the events in one week of the DC Universe. Throughout the course of this historic year, 52thecomic.com will grant readers access to the headlines of the Daily Planet. 52thecomic.com will function as any real-world news magazine would, with its headlines ripped from the pages of 52, with coverage of the events of the day, including national, world, and local news, sports coverage, and updated weather forecast. If it's snowing in an issue of 52, the site will reflect that with an updated weather report. Check it out at 52thecomic.com. DB Pro announced that they have just signed an exclusive contract with New York Times bestselling author Kinley McGregor to adapt the first five novels of her highly anticipated fantasy and romance series, Lords of Avalon. Lords of Avalon, Sword of Darkness, will be produced as a monthly 22-page comic starting this fall with a script penned by Ronnie Gillespie. A graphic novel edition should be available in bookstores in the spring of 2007. Now you can rip off Devil's Due. In May, Devil's Due Publishing kicks off a free comic book promotion, The Devil's Due Ripped Offer. DDP President Josh Blaylock said, With so many comics coming out every month from the big two these days, they can't all be that great. We know we read them too. If you bought a big two book that you didn't like, vent your frustration and rip the cover off. Send the cover to DDP and we'll send you a free book. That's right, a free book. It's finally your turn to rip them off. I came up with this idea a few months ago when stores were beginning to get inundated with a deluge of crossover comic. This isn't going to topple any empires, but it can be a fun way to discover a new comic and vent one's frustrations at the same time. For more information on DDP and their ripped offer, visit AroundComics.com. The Escapist number 1 for a buck. Acclaimed writer Brian K. Vaughn pens The Escapist No. 1 with a special introductory price of $1. 
Wizard Top 10 and multiple Eisner Award-winning writer Brian K. Vaughn teams with critically acclaimed artist Philip Bond and Eduardo Barreto to deliver the first issue from Pulitzer Prize-winning author Michael Chabon. With cover art by multi-platinum superstar Frank Miller kicking off a round robin of stellar cover artists including James Jean and John Cassidy, this launch of the first Escapist miniseries can't be missed. The Escapist will be in stores on July 12th. DC titles continue to fly off the shelves. Two debut issues and a one-year-later story have all sold out at DC Comics and are going back to press for new printings. Look for Batman number 652, second printing, Blue Beetle number 1, third printing, and Ion number 1, second printing. All are scheduled to arrive in stores on May 31st. Arcosia goes uphill. Arcosia Enterprises, publisher of the Lexicon Chronicles and Starship Troopers, is proud to welcome Sal Cipriano's dark action-packed tale of redemption, The Hill, to its original graphic novel line. Originally intended to be produced by another publisher, The Hill was set for release in April, but will now be released this fall by the UK-based Marcosia. This is a book I've been working on for quite a long time, and I'm very happy to be rolling it out this year with such a quality publisher behind it, says series creator Cipriano. I firmly believe The Hill is a book that is going to turn some heads. It has a mainstream, action, adventure, sci-fi, horror appeal, with a lot of dark humor. Look for more news and previews for The Hill as the year rolls along. During Marvel's Moon Knight conference call, novelist-turned-comic scribe Charlie Houston indicated that he would continue writing the title through issue 12. Originally, Houston's Moon Knight revival was seen as a six-issue miniseries, but with the success of the first issue, Marvel has decided to make Moon Knight an ongoing series. Houston did admit that he and Finch had discussed potential ideas for stories beyond issue 12, but Houston told members of the comics press, I'm a novelist. That's how I make my living. And he made it clear that any further writing on Moon Knight beyond issue number 12 would depend on his schedule. In addition to his Moon Knight chores, Houston is also scripting The Ultimates Annual, which will be published in August. Boom Studios is booming. The demise earlier this year of Speakeasy Comics left Homeless one of the company's highest profile projects. Hero by Yoshitaka Amano, the famed Japanese artist and designer. Luckily, it is not languished for long. Boom Studios will release the first in a projected series of five graphic novels in July. Since January, we've really seen retailers embrace us more, so it's encouraging. But I think six titles is the max, says Boom founder Ross Ritchie, who goes on to say they have no plans to pick up any other titles formally published by Speakeasy. Boom's next launch is John Doe, written by Mark Wade. It's a crime series about a man who solves mysteries of unidentified bodies left in New York's Potter's Field. The book will debut this summer with a one-shot to be followed up by a three-issue miniseries. Look for more from Boom Studios at AroundComics.com.
These have been your top headlines for the week of May 8th, 2006. For the full version of these and other stories, go to www.aroundcomics.com, your source for the best in comics news, reviews, and opinions. And there are your top headlines. Uh, we'll start at the top here. Um, from DarkHorizons.net, um, they have uh, reported on Silver Surfer possibly uh, appearing in Fantastic Four 2. So are we all set and ready to see the um, the, the Silver <laughs> Surfer fly onto the big screen? So weird. I don't know. <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> I think it's a good idea, though, to sort of test the waters with him because I know it's been brought up on our forum and others that I don't know if he could carry a movie all by himself. You know, he, he can't carry a comic book all by himself. Yeah, that's yeah, true. I mean, it's certainly it's a, 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 oh, a chance world. to flex your, you know, CGI muscles with with that character. But yeah, yeah, I don't know if I'd want to go see a whole movie. If they do make a movie with him, uh, a feature, and that, that's what they're holding up on, is that they, they're they still trying to see if he's strong enough to carry his own movie, and they don't want to, I guess, overexpose him in Fantastic yeah. Four. But if they do put him in a movie, please make him a badass. I am so tired of the whiny little bitch that Silver Surfer has become. What? Oh, the world. Oh, whoa. whoa. whoa is me. I'm going to go hang out with surfers in California. And Sandman you know? fans. <laughs> Silver Surfer. Surfer is the Sandman of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> okay, uh, The Hunger Returns. And uh, this is uh, so funny. I was uh, listening to, to Chris's podcast uh, earlier this week, and he actually read the same press release on The Hunger Trade coming out. And, and I had it took me like three times to record this story. So I'm listening to, to Chris's cast and I'm actually like speaking like verbatim with him because it was like, you know, just like embedded in my brain from this. But, uh, no, uh, for Hunger fans, this is another comic that uh, was under the Speakeasy banner. And whenever they went belly up, it was kind of floating in limbo out there. So, uh, I know that Hunger fans are excited that they're going to collect the, the whole thing. So, um, Chris, I think everybody who has an email address got this press release. In the world, <laughs> yeah, everybody it, got it. It's uh, it's it might be a mess though because they're they're doing a big buyback program with that because they came out with what like five issues were released by Speakeasy, yeah, something like that. I and think five issues, and this this trade is going to be uh, all eight issues, and it's going to have like an expanded ending and and all of that. But they're offering to you know, send in your your five issues and you get some sort of buyback on that. You know, what what I would suggest to people, not you know, I'm not gonna tell people how to spend their money because it's not my money, but stop telling me what to buy. Yeah, yeah. Keep keep the five issues, buy buy the trade, you know, those those guys those guys deserve it. That was that was kind of a raw deal that the whole speakeasy thing. It's you know, we talked to Steve Bryant and he does Athena Voltaire and that was that was really tough on those guys. So I would just implore you just just keep the issues. Buy the trade. Enjoy it. So Chris, you know, you got anything on, on the hunger? Did you read it whenever it was coming out? Uh as far as a date? Oh yeah, as do you know when it's when it's gonna be released? Uh well if it's in the May previews, I think it's 
I don't know. I, you know, I'm getting confused with another book, and I, I don't want to give the wrong date, so okay. I, I don't want to say anything. Okay, well, we'll, ch- we'll check back Some, with you. Sometime later. in the fall. Sometime okay. in the fall. I don't know. All right. Uh, our next uh, story, uh, this is uh, Lords of Avalon. It's uh, from Kinley McGregor. Uh, I don't know if that's... It, I didn't care. Kinley <laughs> McGregor! If it's not Scottish! <laughs> I so, support it. No. <laughs> well, it's another it's another Whatever book that is. you know the the, the uh, it's, a, it's a New York Times bestselling author, so it's yeah. more writers that are that are jumping over into the into the comics. Well, it's a, it's a not a retelling or anything, but it's a translation of his best-selling books into comic book format. So, you know, that's not necessarily anything new, but you see more and more of that kind of thing today, you know. Well, see, I, I had no idea because I don't read books that don't have pictures. So. Nice. That's... <laughs> uh, next story, which actually was very cool, uh, in my opinion. I checked it out as soon as I found out about it, and that is 52thecomic.com. Uh, have you guys checked this out? Yeah, it's... I've, I love it because it does all the stuff that both of the big two do horribly on their main site, where... Uh, if you ever go to marvelcomics.com or dccomics.com, you are immediately flooded with every square inch is either a hyperlink to something. It's like or, watching Bloomberg TV. Yeah, you know, there's stuff like, all over the place. You can't even tell what's going on. It's just really hard to navigate. And so it's nice that they came up with a really nice, clean website. That, well, it, it, it's it's like a newspaper yeah. website. You go there and it's like you're going to you know chicagotribune.com. You know, you, you got sports and weather and top stories, yeah. but all of this stuff is coming out of the 52 comics. So yeah. it, I think they even you know said it in the in the the news story. If it's snowing. In an issue of Fifty Two, the comic it'll be snowing. The yeah, the weather report's going to reflect that. Chris, have you checked out the website yet? I did. I love it. It's done by DC Comics, though, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. it is. Yeah. yeah, so it's official, right? Yeah, it, it is. I think actually, whenever you go to Fifty Two, the comic dot com, you get redirected and you see that it's actually yeah, it's DC. DC. Yeah. It is. I mean, for yeah, for it's people, really cool. I I can't wait till it just keeps on growing. It's going to look really sweet. Oh yeah, as people keep getting into fifty two and following this story, you're going to be able to go back and archive old stories and and all that kind of stuff. It's. I mean, it's it's awesome. I think I was more intrigued by the uh, the the banner advertising for Lex Oil and everything. I thought that was awesome. Oh, oh yeah, they have the little screen. I like, I like the uh, blood. Ha- remember Bloodhaven ribbon that they had yeah. on there. <laughs> Download the PDF. I printed one off. It was sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's certainly a, a cool way for fans to get more involved in something, and 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 you know, for DC to to sort of fill in a lot of the cracks and and uh, just give you that much more information about something that you know is going to obviously be a huge huge event. Well, I've always loved comics that add like newspaper stories, like in between issues, like you know, those things with Watchmen. Yeah. Um, which I don't know if that was one of the first books that did that, but you had the newspaper articles in there, so you could really dig deep and find out different things that were going on in that world. Rex Mundy is another book that did it, and I loved it. And so DC's taking it a step further and actually, you know, made it a newspaper website. Mm-hmm. So it's it's well, awesome. I think it was the Smallville website is really cool too. How it's based, you know, the the whole torch. Yeah, the uh, newspaper. Whatever the name of the paper is, yeah. The high school paper that uh, in the in the series they had their own site and yes and it gave all sorts of information like that so oh that's cool yeah, yeah what's really cool. what's Smallville <laughs> shush <laughs> <laughs> well, 
It's a property owned by... Uh, it's a DC Comics property. <laughs> yeah. Tom, it's, Tom, it's got monkeys in it. I'm surprised you don't... Oh, okay. It does have monkeys? Oh, Tom's all... He's going to go by the DVDs right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> all the seasons. Monkeys. Uh, our next story is from one of our hometown publishers, and that is Devil's Due. They are doing their ripped offer. And uh, you know, basically, it's a uh, promotion that they're doing. If you are reading a, a Marvel or DC, it's funny because they never say Marvel or DC <laughs> yeah. in the release. They just the say, big event yeah, books, they, they the big big two. two. Yeah. So if if and it's Marvel or DC. So if you if you pick up a a Marvel or DC book like Ion Number One, um, and think it's not very good because it wasn't, uh, you can rip that off and, and mail that off to them. Of course, if you're if you're us, you can just walk it right down to their offices because they're like two blocks from here. So. Oh, cool. You're get one box filled with ripped <laughs> off covers from me. <laughs> and then they're going to give you a free book, or, or what, what are they going to give you? What, it's, uh, you know, I, I actually didn't look at the whole mail-in thing. <laughs> a handshake. <because>, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, you get I a, believe they're giving you a free, you send, you send in the, the send cover. Send in the cover, yeah. And they'll send you a free book, and I believe is the deal. So. Yeah, and I think well, that if you, you don't like the Devil's Due book, do you rip it off and send it to Top Cow or something? <laughs> I think you have to tear it up into little pieces and <laughs> dissolve it and drink it. Or quit reading comics, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> if you don't like you're DDP, done, yeah, you're quit. done. You're crazy. No, I think I think we're gonna do that as like a really cheesy around comics event. We're all gonna we're gonna get like a big box of covers and just like walk them down there and say we want free oh, comics. Or, or what we can do is. If you've listened to another podcast and you don't like it, email us the MP3. And no, we'll give you I a don't free. want. <laughs> I don't. I don't need my mailbox filled. Just with the MP3. first five minutes, and we'll give you a free podcast. Free <laughs> well, short five-minute personal podcast. I, I want to see the person who like rips the cover off of his giant size X-Men number one. Oh, good lord! And sends it into him. You know, lunatic. Yeah. So. Heresy. Uh, another DC story, and this is uh, that DC man. It just it keeps flying off the shelves. They sold out three more copy or three more. Uh, Three more, three more copies. So right three more copies of Ion. <laughs> but as many press releases they sent it out on the yeah. sellouts, you figure they would. They sold but, a uh, copy. Yeah, they're actually going to uh, some second and uh, even uh, third printings. And and actually, gosh, Ion is going to a second printing. And There's a big well, no. stack over here. Yeah, anybody needs an, a <laughs> copy of, of the sold-out Ion? question about this. Okay. What, what's the initial print run on these books? Okay, this, this is something that, you know, we probably should. Do we want to? Get Mark on this one. Sure. Yeah. Hey, hey, Mark. We, we got a question for you. Um, come on over. This, uh, everyone. This is uh, this is Mark Beatty, the manager of Dark Tower. Uh, DC put out another release this week about selling out uh, different titles and whatnot. And so there was the question on the forum about you know, are is DC intentionally underprinting these books so they can build up hype about sellouts? And here is Mark's answer. No. <laughs> and why not? I'm going to have to pick the microphone, so excuse me for any bumps and grinds here. Um, no, I, I, the, the actual facts are they're actually overprinting the books sometimes um, up to 90% over the previous month's uh, print runs. Same. It, it's just basically they're trying to preempt the book selling out. It didn't work, of course, but they are actually overprinting most of the books. And then when it does sell out, they just put a second printing out right away. To, well, what do they base their print runs on? This is uh, the important part. Okay, they do the same thing that we do. They base it on our orders, the store's orders. 
So when we all put our orders in, they see how many we have ordered as a whole, and then they go on top of that how many more uh, for basically reorders later on. So they just go by percentage. It also goes into how popular the book is, if it's a big event book. There's lots of different things. There's lots, exactly. Just basically forecasting on, on how well it'll sell. And they do the same thing we do. I mean, it, that's how we sell out of books sometimes is that we didn't order enough of the book. Um, we didn't foresee it selling out as fast as it did. Uh, they do the same thing, but that's basically how they do it. They go by our the local comic shop orders. Mm-hmm. So, so DC those is the basis. So, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, DC is you know underprinting to build up hype," and that's they're they're printing on orders, so they are already yes, judging sir. the hype of the book by so, by the you know the activity of, of pre orders. You mean so. people didn't order twice as many copies of Aquaman? <laughs> <laughs> they usually did. Is that, I think no, the yeah, nobody, sales. nobody it, the Aquaman sales went over. We used to always have extra copies. It's over a hundred percent. I raised. did it a little yeah. over when I knew things were happening, and it still sold out first day. Yeah. So, uh, so, Chris, does that does that answer your question? Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Yeah. So they, I mean, they're they're not doing evil things as 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 much as a Marvel guy I am, and you know, I would love to say, oh, DC is the devil. That's that's not the case. So they're, yeah, they're you hear on. that, Matt. <laughs> uh, let me see here. Our next, uh, our next story was uh, the Escapist number one for a buck, and that is uh, what I love about it. It's going to be uh, written by Brian K. Vaughn, and this is you know based on the Michael Chabon novel Cavalier and Clay, and they've been coming out with the Escapist uh, like I'd call them like mini graphic novels almost. Uh, you guys excited about this? Prestige edition. The yeah. prestige. Okay. Interesting concept is the concept behind it is it's like the kids or it's like a modern day like Cavalier guy yeah, yeah who are like trying to re- resurrect a golden age hero. Mm-hmm. So it's a really interesting concept. Already based upon an interesting concept. So, yeah. Oh yeah, it's, uh, it's double. It's double interest. The thing that I find interesting is that I, I didn't pick up a whole lot of the 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 escapist stuff that had come out. I I, I loved the book, um, and I, I picked up a couple of them initially, but they were so expensive. You know, they put them in those prestige edition uh, format, and you know they're selling them for ten bucks for you know forty eight pages maybe, and and it was just like. Wow, that just didn't seem like a good value to me. But now they're releasing this for a dollar. You know, it's like, well, why don't you go back and print that other stuff and and release it for a reasonable price as opposed to trying to sell it on Michael Chabon's name? Mm-hmm. Sure. That's uh, Chris. Are you looking forward to this one? Yeah, I really like the Escapist a lot. I love the book. And yeah, it's a it's a book that I gave to my dad uh, for Christmas a couple of years ago, and he loved it too. You know that that's so. almost another one with the whole. Uh, new comic book reader thing. You, know, you want to turn them onto comics, but for new readers, I think Cavalier and Clay is a is a great book to turn new readers onto. Yeah, but comic book fans don't read books. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read two maybe a year. So God, I'm so bad. no. You have to read Men of Tomorrow. I, really? I've been meaning to pick that up. Oh, I, I awesome. I've heard that's excellent. And have you read Super Folks? I haven't read Superfolks yet. I, I'm about halfway between that, and that one's credited with uh, with Alan Moore's uh, Watchmen and, and, and a lot of the themes in that. It was uh, <clears throat> Grant Morrison did the the uh, the, the write up on it, but um, it's about a middle aged superhero who uh, lo- loses his powers, and, and uh, 
I think there's a lot of stuff. Uh, it, it was it published in like the 70s by a Pulitzer Prize winning novelist who had never written anything like that before. And then all of a sudden one day he writes this book about a superhero, um, sort of like a, you know, a Silver Age or a Golden Age superhero in the, in the 70s who loses his powers. Um, and, and a lot of stuff has, has been uh, attributed to, to that uh, as inspiration. Cool. We shall check out. Uh, next story, uh, Marcosia is going to publish The Hill. Um, Sal, I mean, it's a story that you you filtered out from all the all the press, and he's looking at me with a blank. I don't remember <laughs> it. I honestly, I don't remember it at all. I don't. I don't. I remember the name Marcosia, and I remember the hill, and I have no idea what the story was it's about. So Sal gonna... Cipriano. So it's a dark action-packed tale of redemption. The hill. And it's original graphic novel line. I support it. <laughs> okay, Tom sports it. So okay, so the hill we'll look for that and and hopefully know what we're talking about. I'll next have time. To, yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> uh, something I I do know a little bit about is uh, Moon Knight, which I love the first issue, and uh, Charlie Houston and Marvel announced that he'll be writing that series through issue twelve, and I'm I'm digging that. Um, Chris, uh, did you pick up Moon Knight number one? I did. I loved it. I thought it was great. Oh, I didn't. And realize I was it. surprised. I, you know, when I read that on your news uh, in the email, I originally thought that that was a six-issue limited series. I didn't know it was going to be an ongoing series. It was, it was originally it was originally slated as a six-issue mini, and then uh, what? A couple months ago, they announced that it was going to be an ongoing, but they didn't they didn't announce that Charlie Houston was going to stay on past issue six. I didn't realize it was ever a mini. I totally missed out on that. You always point. thought it was uh, an ongoing? I always thought it was going to be an ongoing, but it's a huge groundswell. Because oh, people liked it so much. Yeah. I didn't realize that. But, I mean, they must have announced that it was an ongoing before it even came out, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, so yeah, really I think why. they did, yeah. The, bu- yeah. the buzz around that book was so big, and the pre-orders were just great on it. And so, yeah, the, before it ever hit shelves, they announced that it was an ongoing. Okay. That makes sense to me now. It's, wow. uh, I, I really hope it takes off and does well. You know, Moon Knight's such a... You know, he's kind of like the Silver Surfer, where he doesn't get a whole lot of respect, and you know. Yeah, but he's, he's not a whiny bitch. Right, he's not. <laughs> no, but you know, his series don't last long. I mean, he's had so many mini series, and he's you know dead and everything like that. But uh, I really hope this one really takes off and does well and gets past forty issues at least. Well, yeah. I, th- I think so. I think that character and Mark Spector in, in particular, he he really translates better in today's style of comics than than necessarily the stuff where his his series had failed before it's when a ahead when, of his time well yeah maybe I, I mean i just think that to me and and you had said this before too is that you oh, know it wasn't moon knight as much as it was mark specter was the interesting part of that story and i just don't know if at the time you know that some of that stuff came out people were really looking for that as much as maybe today yeah. I, I'm I'm really keeping my fingers crossed that after Charlie Houston is is off of that book that uh, that Bendis takes it over. Ooh, I think Bendis would do a great Moon Knight. Yeah, yeah. could be Daredevil in in a white costume though too. I think he's a good enough writer to to make that a different character and play really off the the whole multiple personality kind of you know crazy. It, you know, Mark Spector and Matt Murdock aren't that different in in well, the approach that you can take with them and i think uh, chris do you think bendis could write moon knight i think it could i think it's it's a fine line he's almost like a 
you know, and, and, and Moon Knight number one kind of set this up where he's almost like a uh, the in between of the Punisher and Daredevil. Yeah. And almost. You know, is he good? Is he bad? He cleans up the messes that the Avengers don't want to take care of. That was dead on the way Houston wrote that. Oh, absolutely. And, th- and that first issue, that was one of my tops of the stack uh, the week that it came out. And what I loved about that book is that it forced you to slow down and read it. And it, it was one that I had to go back and read twice, and I think that's the mark of a good comic. Yeah, I read it twice as well. Oh, loved it. Uh, our last story for the day is on Boom Studios. This is a studio that is really seems to be, you know, finding... Exploding! It's, it's exploding! It's booming! Boom. Um, they're really finding their feet, and one of the ways that they've done that is by picking up uh, some of the titles that, that speak easy left whenever they went belly up and and once again we hate that speakeasy went under but there were some great titles and that was i think you know salad said it before that was one of the problems with speakeasy is that they had too many titles out and uh, i thought that was yeah they had too many titles and not a clear enough marketing plan for all of them they just sort of like threw them out there and and expected everything to sell and and you know how many times we've seen that fail yeah, it's, uh, I think probably the most important part of the story, you know, besides, you know, this really highly anticipated Japanese, um, artist coming on board for his story is that the, the owner of Boom said, you know, this is it. We're, we're going to keep it at, you know, six titles. And they kind of seem to have realized where Speakeasy, you know, tripped and fell because they, they overextended. He's like, no, we've got a good core of books. We're going to nurture them get them going and then if, if if the opportunity to expand is there and we don't overextend then we'll take it but i thought that was pretty pretty savvy business talk from you know from that publisher yeah absolutely i think in this day and age you have to be more careful than you know than just reckless and go crazy with books sure how, how many how many comic companies have we seen that have done the same thing you know, Chris, how many how many do you remember that that have done the same thing that Speakeasy did? Oh, I mean, there's there's yeah, there's there's quite a lot, yeah, definitely. No, no need to speak badly of the dead. Yeah, you know, <laughs> no, no, I'm thinking you know, ca- cal- Caliber Comics, you know, a company in you know, it's probably a different scenario, but you know, a company that well, would great- you put would you put Valiant in there too? Uh, man, that was just that whole that whole time. Is I've blocked that out of my mind. But they certainly—I <laughs> I would agree, probably that they did. Yeah, I mean, they—they they just started coming out with book after book after book after book, and and you know, they did good stuff. But man, they caught—they got caught in in that whole industry swell, and it just—it killed them. They—they—they they, they fell into the same the same traps that the big two fell into, but they couldn't cross gen maybe to some degree. I think you know. Part of their mistake was trying to create, you know, a whole universe overnight that everyone could sort of identify with and, and keeping everything, you know, really contained. While it, on one hand it maybe was a good idea, you know, for continuity's sake, and but it was just too much too soon. You know, you know God bless Eric Larson, but, you know, without him, you know, Image, they were, yeah. they were going down the tubes. So, yeah. All right, guys. Well, that should uh, that should wrap up our Wired Wire comic news for the week. Uh, a lot of news, and, and it was uh, good to go over those. But uh, let's, uh, let's move on to our top of the stack. Top, top of the stack. Top of the stack, the stack, the stack. That's right. It's top of the stack. Our chance to let you, the listener, know what we have been reading for the last week. Uh, Mr. Caters, what is your top of the stack? 
I have a book called Sky Ape. I'm, King I'm, of I'm, Girls. I'm shocked yeah. and amazed. Appalled. Tom, Tom, Tom Caters has picked a book with a gorilla. With a gorilla in it. It's from, uh, I'm not sure, is that Eight Planet Lar? Is that how you pronounce I've seen uh, their name around that's, that's, AIT. That's the same company that uh, published Demo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it, but uh, I assume it's Eight Planet Lar. Um, it is a black and white book done by. Artist is Richard Jenkins, and it's written by Phil Amara, Tim McCarney, and Mike Russo. And it is just, it's a very humorous take on, you know, superheroes. <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of, on the cover, it's got an ape with the jetpack on it. And it is... <laughs> How can it be that? Yeah, you're done. You don't need it's, to say no, anything more. It, it's, it's kind of a joke a minute type thing where they throw a lot of things up against the wall, and sometimes it falls flat, but... Sometimes it's really, really funny. And the main premise that there's um, there's this guy who's teaching nerds how to be suave with women, and it's causing an unbalance in the world because they're breaking all these girls' hearts. So <laughs> Sky Ape um, calls upon Freedom's, uh, I think it's Freedom's 13, to uh, come assist them. And it's just a, it's just a pastiche of, you know, <laughs> the JLA and the Fantastic Four. There's there's a doctor who has rocks for hands because he was experimenting on asteroids, and uh, it's it's funny and it hits and it misses, and the art is nice and it's just simple. And uh, I laughed out loud a couple times. What has gotten into you? Some of the stuff you've been reading, like <laughs> it's the just Caveman it's Robot, Sky Ape. Makes fun of Sandman. Um, it has Wait, I saw a scene. A with a top hat. No, that's uh, that's the Greek Minotaur who's living in the <laughs> sewers beneath the city that they live in. I mean, it, it's all over the place. It, it's just crazy, and it's totally rereadable. I just opened it up to my favorite page, which is a guy with tons of pockets and his suit, sort of like a. Making fun of the early '90s, sort of every character has like 800 pockets. He, Cyclops the with you know belt yeah. holsters. Yeah, he's more. got tons of ropes and stuff in all of his pockets. <laughs> and it's funny. So if you see it around, pick it up. There's other. This is the first guy thing I've read, but apparently it, there's a couple other um, similar comics out that they they release it. I guess uh, just whenever they get it done. It's 4.95. Yeah. That, for that. that. That's that's pretty expensive humor there. That's expensive, but it's completely worthwhile. <laughs> and uh, last thing, the pinups in the back are absolutely amazing. There's just this really nice sort of airbrushed picture of a gorilla <laughs> with goggles and a rocket so, pack. I, anybody else out there that has any any monkey or ape fetish, please please forward yeah, them to Tom. If you said to me, you'll probably get a good review no matter what. <laughs> uh, Mr. Marshall, what is your top of the stack this week? Well, my top of the stick, um, I don't know if it's going to be top, because this book, I've got mixed reviews on it. Um, but I, being that I'm a trade paperback guy, I got Superman in the 80s, the trade. Uh, and it's got a lot of good artists and writers in here. Um, you've got John Byrne and Kurt Swan and uh, Marv Wolfman and Dick Giordano. And, you know, so everybody's kind of working in this book in the 80s. Um, but I think the cover galleries are more exciting than the actual s stories that are included in here. Um, for example, some of the cover galleries are uh, uh, Superman 400, Superman the Secret Years, uh, and then um, Action Comics 600. 
but what they but, and the stories are kind of silly, but they're and they what they don't include is, that I'm really kind of bummed out about is the Alan Moore uh, Superman uh, 423 in Action Comics uh, 583, which is whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Yeah, that, it's that's... you know it's not included. They don't even have a cover for those, and uh, but uh, and yet they they have a cover for Crisis on Infinite Earths number seven. And that's not included in here, just the cover. So it's kind of missing some really cool stories that they should have included. And instead they just kind of filled it with a silly Lois Lane's story and, and some other things. But uh, overall, you know, it's a good story. You know, mixed and it's good. And uh, it's what it is. It's Superman in the 80s with the uh, the mullet and everything. So that's what I have this week. Well, all right. That sounds sounds excellent for for any of those Superman fans out there. Yeah, we're not supposed to do collected editions. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm messing with you. It'll be edited out. No, it's uh, no. That sounds great, and I totally expected that was that was kind of exactly what I thought Chris was gonna gonna bring to the table. That type of book, um, Mr. Salazar. Uh, I'm doing a book called Wasteland. Um, it's it's a this is actually a preview that we got in. Um, Anthony Johnson, the writer, uh, had sent us to uh, sent it to us um, to take a look at, and I really enjoyed it. It's uh, it's written by Anthony Johnson, art by Christopher Mitten, uh, with covers by Ben Templesmith. It's the first one is 48 pages. It's black and white, uh, and it's available in July. Uh, you can order it. I think uh, in this, it's in the current. Previews. Wait, people are sending us preview copies. Yeah, how about that? They they actually are. Come sending on, man, us... we'll help a brother out. Uh, ape, uh, any uh, ape-related comics? Any, uh, any directly to me? I will absolutely do that. But <laughs> so this is one of the one of the first ones um, that we got, in, and it's two ninety nine. Well, anyway, Wasteland is uh, is sort of a combination of a lot of different um, maybe films and, and and different works that you've seen out there, um, but. Uh, you know, it's part sort of Mad Max, part uh, Western, you know, High Plains Drifter, um, with a little Tatooine thrown in there. And, and uh, uh, luckily enough, though, Anthony Johnson seems to be a very skilled writer so that he's able to take what he wants from these um, genres or films or whatever, uh, his influences, and and yet create something completely unique. Um, but at the same time, it feels comfortable. It feels familiar. You 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 know, you're... You've been to these places before, but not in this way. Um, to give you a little bit of a, a, a look at what Wasteland is, it's basically a post-apocalyptic story um, set 100 years after a, a huge event called the Big Wet um, that sort of poisoned all the oceans in the world and raised the water levels all over the planet, um, and it just left uh, a very small amount of actual uh, habitable... Ugh. Habitable, habitable, habitable uh, land left, um, and a lot of this land is just like dusty plains and desert with no fresh water. And in between there, there's these you know little tiny sort of old western towns that have you know shanty towns that have popped up where people are willing to to try and make a, a life um, for themselves. Uh, in the in the first issue, we meet a character called Michael, who is sort of a, a scavenger um, of the of the deserts, and he. Um, he he's not afraid of being out in the desert, even though there's these horrible mutant creatures they called sand eaters that uh, that attack pretty much anything that moves. Uh, he's uh, he's skilled enough um, to you know navigate his way through the desert and, and and looking for treasures that he can take into town and trade. 
He happens to find a very strange device um, that he takes into town and finds out uh, that it may be a secret to how what caused this huge cataclysmic event um, in the world. Uh, the story goes on from there to to sort of set up the the rest of what's coming next, um, and we meet some other characters and everything, and and uh, it it it's not too much to take in it in the first issue. They had to sort of give you a lot of the backstory quickly, and and it was written well enough to to do that without really dumping it all on you. Um, the art is fantastic. It, it almost reminds me a lot of. And I can't think of his name. The the current Walking Dead artist, um, no. not Tony Moore. You're gonna kill me. Um, I'll find out. It, it's, there's some similarities there. Um, Al Allred, Al Allred, Allred, Mike Alt Adler, something like that. Anyway, Charlie Al 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 oh, um, it's some similarities there. <laughs> Very, um, not simplistic, but clear, clean lines. Um, Yet, just gritty enough for the, the the tone that they wanted to set, and the good use of blacks, and just overall, just a, a really good book. Um, it's not something that's you know gonna shock the planet with how original it is, but it's like I said, it it, it gives you some familiar things that you you've seen before, but tells you a new story and something really interesting. And there's action and mystery and adventure and everything kind of wrapped up in one. So that's my top of the stack, Wasteland number one. Like I said, it's available uh, in this current issue of, of previews and also if you want more information go to www.thebigwet.com I have I've actually read I'm about three quarters of the way through it and I really like it it's you're right it's it's a lot of different genres that um, I saw a lot of comparisons with Stephen King's Dark Tower you know mm -hmm. it's like post-apocalyptic western and that I mean that's just a great comic book concept it's a great concept. with some mad max thrown in there yeah and, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very and some star wars you know that you said the sand eaters i mean they were yeah. sand people yeah you know? i mean that was tuscan raiders gentlemen oh, sorry sorry oh, <laughs> sorry oh, oh i did want to um i did also want to say i do have a full review of the book up on around comics that you can go check out a lot of what i just said but a little more detailed and understandable so go check that out and and let us know what you think all right my uh, my top of the stack uh uh, gonna be a fairly quick one. This is a book that we really haven't talked about. We haven't talked about this creator nearly as much as we should have. And I, I swear to everyone out there, this is gonna be like the second creator spotlight we do whenever we finally get around to those. I think we're, we're promised to do Howard Chaykin first, but then we're gonna do Mike Magnola because this is a guy that I know that that everyone on the panel here is a huge fan of. Chris, are you, are you a big Magnola fan? Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? It's something that I love the guy, and I catch myself like not ever talking about him on the show. And he's one of my favorite freaking creators. It's he is he is just so scary, sneaky, good that you almost you almost forget to talk about him because you just assume that everyone knows what kind of a talent Magnola is. So anyway, today I'm talking about uh, BPRD. This is a series that was uh, pretty much spawned out of Hellboy. Uh, the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense was the, the organization that Hellboy um, was, I, I don't want to say recruited into, but more of adopted into. Um, so you get all of the build-up to this in, in Hellboy, and then... Out of the Hellboy comics, Hellboy leaves the BPRD to go, you know, kind of find himself. 
and you figured that would have been the end of of that of that series, but no, they they went ahead and they kept making BPRD comics, and they're freaking good. It, it's all of the great characters that were in Hellboy. You get you know Liz and Abe Sapien, who Abe is just one of the best characters in comics. He's is such a you know he's the the sensitive you know lost yet really cool but not you know cool fish out of water he's a fish out of water exactly yeah yeah imagine he's the silver surfer but cool you know kind of thing it was rail on surfer night so send all your silver surfer hate mail to chris neesman at <laughs> just such an i'm, I'm not going to get on a rant about silver surfer <laughs> but uh uh no bprd is great uh mignola's writing if you've never read what he does, he pulls a lot of stories out of really bizarre folklore, and you know it's like Armenian folk stories, <laughs> you know, n- you know Norse gods, and um, a lot of like Russian influences, you know, wives' tales and folklore and whatnot. So you get these really, really bizarre stories, you know, um, old. Yeah, very, very, and that's how the book feels. It feels old. That everything that that the BPRD or Hellboy comes up against is ancient, ancient yeah. Yeah, or Nazis, as as Hellboy well, says. You know, Nazis. These guys were everywhere. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it feels old. It's very cool. There are little nods to to all sorts of stuff. It's it's creepy. It's fun. It's BPRD. Is, I I can't tell you about the book because. It, it's so much to go into, but if you if you like stuff that pulls on history, you know history that you don't even know about, it has a, a creepy, fun feel to it. Check out anything that Mike Mignola does. Get BPRD. I would tell you to go back, and since this is kind of a collected show, start picking up the original Hellboy trades like Seed of Destruction, and just start with Conqueror there. Worm, Conqueror Worm, Conqueror Worm, yeah, the Fist of Hell, or what, what is yeah. it? The, the uh, right hand, right, 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 right hand of Doom, yeah, yeah just. Pick those, pick those collections up, and don't speed read through them. It, it's a, a trade of Hellboy. Should you should take a week to read it and really chew on it. Uh, it's that kind of that kind of series. So anyway, BPRD is my top of the stack. They're on number two of the Universal Machine. So I'm sure you can go back get the first issue of Universal Machine. But I would once again uh, implore you to go back and check out. Uh, uh, more Hellboy and BPRD trades. So. Chris, can I give you my favorite Mike Mignola book? Oh yeah, Geth- uh, Gotham by Gaslight. Yeah, that's an excellent book. That's uh, I love it. I-, I wish he would do more stuff like that. You know, with with different characters like Batman and uh, just some awesome stuff. But you know, the thing you were talking about, like mm-hmm. you, you sort of forget about Mike Mignola, and I think part of that is because. You know, he's never been a monthly guy. He doesn't put out a monthly comic. You know, Hellboy right. was never monthly. They're all miniseries. But he never puts out a bad one either. You know, everything he's put together, all just about everything he's done has been good. I've never been disappointed by yeah. a Magnolia book. And I wish more creators would kind of think along those lines of, I don't care if I have to wait six months for a Hellboy trade or, six, you know, for, or for four or six issue mini. Because it's so darn good, I you know I forget about it the minute I start reading it yeah. that I had to wait that long. You know, I'd love for the guy to put out a monthly book, but but not at the expense of of, of the quality of the, of what yeah. he's doing. And and I, I would completely agree that it's one of the few trades. You know, I have a 
I have a lot of the original Hellboy issues stuffed away somewhere, but I have all the trades too. And the reason I got the trades is because I read those all the time. I'll go back and read them all the time, and it's one of the few books that I do that with because I'm always finding something that I missed or something different or something else that he did in there that um, that I didn't see the last time. Um, Mark just says uh, Mike Magnola's comic o- or Cosmic Odyssey. Yeah, Dark Horse. Oh, it's DC. I haven't read that one. That's really cool. hmm. That's great. Cosmic Odyssey is great. It's kind of like a. Uh, oh, it's got. Um, it's, it's an, it happens off of Earth, and it has to do with like Dark Side and the New Gods. It's the New Gods. Yeah, it's really good. Oh, it's, cool. It's a Superman book, really, too. I'll have to track that down. Okay. It's, it's, see, this, this, this show costs us money, too, people. Uh, <laughs> hey, we record in a comic shop. I never leave her empty-handed. Yes. Um, uh, Tom, you got anything to add on that? No. I, I you also support it? Yeah, I support it. <laughs> but uh, well, uh, genuinely this time, though. Hey, said, you know, Hellboy is often called the Big Red Ape, so yeah, exactly. you got that. You know, he is an <laughs> ape to uh, some degree. There's a Nazi ape miniseries coming out. I don't know. Man that up. <laughs> well, guys, I think that is gonna that's gonna wrap us up for uh, for that part. Let's uh, let's get into our end announcements, and uh, and that'll do it. Um, Sal, you got anything uh, cooking on the website these days? Uh, no, no, you know, nothing extremely new. On the I, I think everything's kind of set up. It's yeah, just kind of yeah. rolling. Yeah, now. we're just going just, along. Um, you need to come visit it. Yeah, come, you know, come. We get, we're getting a lot of people that, that are coming to visit and they don't go on the forum. They, I don't know if they're, you know, afraid or something of posting on the forum. Or they don't want to sign up or anything. You know, uh, I won't sell your email address to <laughs> anyone. And we'll, the only thing we use it for is to announce when a new episode's out or, or a new review or something is on the site. So. You don't, um, and you don't need to worry if your opinion is stupid. Yeah, we accept all opinions. <laughs> yeah, we accept all. Everyone's we'll stupid make fun opinion. of it, yeah, yeah, but we, you know, no, the uh, no, the 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 site's doing great as far as like news stories. There's new stuff up there all the time, and uh, you know, I I have really started to use it as my news source, and that's uh, it's, it's good stuff. So, and the and the forum is is rocking. We're having fun with that. Absolutely, absolutely. I did have um some. Listener emails that I wanted to maybe read. Uh, they're not about the subject at all. They okay. were just sort of stuff that different people had sent in, okay. and, and I've sort of been collecting them because there wasn't a specific topic necessarily that we were talking about. But I just thought I'd, I'd want to. Um, okay, we'll go ahead. Uh, read them out. Uh, this first one is from uh, Chobes Eleven <laughs> or Andrew. Uh, it says, uh, <laughs> or otherwise, yeah. his family calls AKA. me Andrew. <laughs> it says. Uh, Hey, Chris and Sal. A problem I've noticed in my daily life is my lack of friends that read comics. I've tried to set things right. I've lent my friends fables, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, V for Vendetta. I've pitched the hell out of Sandman, but in the end, it never panned out. I never seem to be able to get them to appreciate the work the way I do. After a while and many failures, I started feeling like a fascist. It occurred to me in retrospect that everyone looks for something different in their books. Beyond certain thematic elements, I need a stronger writer and a good imaginative story in order to really get into a series. The art doesn't have to be fantastic for me to enjoy it. One of my favorites has always been Grant Morrison's run on Animal Man. It was well-written, had interesting story, and was a revolutionary take on the entire superhero genre. The art style, on the other hand, was something typical for the time. This leads me to my topic suggestion for you guys, which is more important in today's comics. Strong writing or great visuals? Can a truly good book exist without both? Thanks, Andrew. Well, I would suggest he make new friends. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> if you want Frederick Cars, you're just going to have to get rid of go the old ones. Go out and find yeah. some new go out, uh, Look around and comic stores. Always remember that around comics are your virtual friends. Yes. But don't, um, don't email me. Or, or <laughs> weird. Unless you have Ape Comics. Yeah, unless you have an Ape Comic. He'll be your... Um, <laughs> the next one is from uh, Brody Baggins, or it's Wally. Brody. Uh, hi, Brody. Uh, Brody Baggins here saying that I really love the format of your show and I'm interested in being on a panel one day. Um, I would love to be on the panel to discuss comic book movies or the X-Men. I am very well versed in both of these fields, so if you have a discussion about any movies or X topics and you need another mouth, give me a holler. I will continue to enjoy the show. Keep rocking. Um, I, I just wanted to bring that up because that has been the number one request of people movies. wanting to be on the show has been movies. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're going to have to at some point do like a multi-part you know, episode uh, all about the comic book movies and have everybody, you know. Well, let me guess. Chris, you want to be on the episode about comic book movies too, don't you? Oh, it doesn't everybody? <laughs> everybody you know, wants gonna, to be on that one. I don't want to be on that one. <laughs> well, <laughs> so it can take my spot. I don't know. I, uh, whatever. Um, blah, blah. Yeah, Bro, Bro, Brody's a big a big IMDB guy. He, he posts there. He's a big movie guy. All right. You, another email? Um, No, you know what? I think that was it. I, think, right. I thought I had another well, one. one had uh, it had, let me see. It had a lot of curse words. Yeah, this one just said Tom sucks and go down. <laughs> Who is that third guy? All right, no, um, horrible. Uh, May contest. Uh, you got uh, another week to get those topic suggestions in, folks. Uh, we're we're taking submissions for topics. Uh, basically, let us know what you want us to talk about. We will pick the what we think is is the best topic, or maybe the most timely, or whatever. And whatever t- we may even just hell, pull them out of a hat. I don't know. We've had a lot of great posts on the forum. Uh, whoever's topic we end up picking, uh, we're going to send you a uh, a trade uh, in uh, a trade that is in print and twenty four ninety five or less. And, uh, one of the 20 we suggested. And, and it has to be one of the 21 we suggested. <laughs> one of the 20. Today. And no. I'll throw in an 8.5 by 11 glossy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Autograph? Right. Yeah, yeah. No, one, no one's in there. Okay. No one's so, wanting it. Um, uh, my announcements are please drop by the iTunes Music Store and write a review for us. If, uh, if you are so inclined, we would really appreciate it. Uh, Around Comics and Dark Tower are pleased to announce that Michael Oliveri and Joe Bucco, the creators of Werewolves Call of the Wild, will be in store and in studio on Friday, June 30th for a book signing and guest appearance on the show. Check out their book at cotwcomic.com and listen to Around Comics for more information on the appearance. So uh, uh, Mike and Joe are uh, I believe Joe. Joe's not absolutely confirmed, but right. Mike's definitely going to be up here on the 30th for a signing and uh, is going to hang around for the show. So uh, check out Werewolves Call of the Wild if you have a chance. It's a really good book. Uh, we are now offering a midweek show that is available for download. Sporadically. On, sporadically on <laughs> Wednesdays. Uh, these are shorter versions of the regular around comics uh, without our wire-to-wire news or top-of-the-stack segments. So uh, just be aware that on, on some Wednesdays you may get uh, a little little extra Around Comics action. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Around Comics is recorded every Friday from 7 to 9 at Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles, located at 4835 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. If you're in the Chicago area, please come by and introduce yourself. We would love to meet you. Dark Tower will also be offering a 10% discount on any item in stock in the store during recordings. Oh, 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 we just... We, 
they've just upped the offer. That's the owner, Matt, says 20%. So now 20% off any in-stock item during the show recording if you mention Around Comics. So uh, we're still recording, so um, I want that trade (laughs) right over there. Oh, Uh, damn. Um, Thank you for listening to Around Comics. (laughs) How much much do you have? How much do you have? (laughs) All right, I would like to thank Tom Caters, my partner Sal, and of course Chris Marshall from the Collected Comics Library. Please check out his podcast; it is a fantastic one. Sal has one more. Thing. Oh, I was just gonna, Chris, what's coming up on your podcast next? Anything you want to give a, a preview of? Uh, nothing for my next one, but with the X Men movie coming out, uh, which is the May twenty sixth, I think. Um, my show number 70, which is going to be coming out Wednesday the 24th, is going to be all about the X-Men trades and X-Men books that you can get. It's so. perfect jumping on point if you like the yes. X-Men movies. There you go. Awesome. That is that is great. Chris, your podcast is is one of my top of the stacks Thank as you. far as podcasts go. It is it it is so informative and what I love, you're not long-winded like we are. I mean, we're going to go over <laughs> 2 hours today. I, you get to the point, you take care of business and then you're out. And I, I love that. So. I support your podcast. Seacrest <laughs> <laughs> out. Caters out. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening to Around Comics. Have a fantastic week, and join us again next week as we reshuffle the roundtable for a whole new episode of comic news, reviews, and opinions. In the meantime, we'll be everywhere in and around comics. <laughs> If you would like to suggest a topic, send us your comments, or are interested in becoming a panel member, email us at info at aroundcomics.com, or visit the Contact Us section of our website. For that, and the latest in comics news and opinions, go to www.aroundcomics.com. Music for this show provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Thank you for listening today, and remember to join us next week where the panel will change, but our mission stays the same, bringing you the best in discussion, news, and reviews in and around comics. <laughs>